You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. Good morning, church. I'm Jonathan Williams. I'm the lead pastor of Forefront. How's everybody doing? How are we doing today? Are we feeling okay? I'm going to talk to us a little bit about God and all this. Where is God in all of this? And in order to do that, I need to read to you one of my favorite passages, and I say that with tons of sarcasm, but here it is. It's from Job, and it goes like this. One day, the angel came to present themselves before the Lord. Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright and a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that the flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and surely he will curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not, be a, or do not lay a finger. And as we always say, say, thanks be to God for this passage. Um, okay, so why do I like Job even though I was being sarcastic? <clears throat> you know, Job is all about suffering. What do we do with suffering? What do we do with the pain that we're experiencing? What do we do when things aren't going the way they should be going in life? Um, What do we do in a time like right now? And I love it because Job speaks to that. In fact, most Bible scholars think that the book of Job was written before the book of Genesis. That's cool. I mean, people wanted to know why we suffer even more so then they wanted to know why we exist. And I get that. I think a lot of us get that. I think a lot of us are feeling that right now, especially when we're in the midst of this pandemic. Um, People are dying. People are sick. There are some of us in this room. I wish we were in the room together. There are some of us on on, uh, sharing this right now. And we know people who have died. We know people who are sick. Some of us are sick ourselves. Some of us are afraid. And so we're sitting there like, why are we suffering, especially when there is no enemy. I mean, we tried to create an enemy with this, but there is no enemy. So what do we do? Why are we here? Why are we suffering? Well, it's a good thing that scripture tells us exactly why we're going through what we're going through. And it tells us that we experience suffering. It tells us that we experience pain and everything else, and that Job experienced pain and loss of family and land and had boils on his skin so bad, he had to scrape them off with clay pots. All this happens because God likes to make bets with Satan. That's why we experience suffering, because God is a petty, vindictive God with a little bit of a gambling problem, right? That's why we experience suffering. (laughs) And the truth is we don't necessarily believe that, right? But it is in our Bible, so it presents us with a little bit of an issue here. If we read our scripture literally, well, then we have to read it in such a way where we see God as vindictive, where we see God as a God of punishment. We see God as a God who is going to make deals with the devil, so to speak. We have to see, uh, if we're going to read scripture literally, then those things have to, um, well, they have to count, or they have to matter in some ways. And so what we've done is we've said, yeah, 
if it's in our Bible just like this, then then maybe God is mad at us. Maybe God is angry. Maybe God is making bets with Satan. And so throughout the ages, right up until now even, we say, well, maybe God is punishing us for something. And so we know those times when televangelists get on TV and they say, well, this hurricane is because uh, we have an outlawed abortion. And it's like, all right, it has nothing to do with the fact that two weather patterns have come together, uh, one with cold, one with hot, and created the storm. It has everything to do with not outlawing abortion because that's an angry God, right? Where we say, oh, my gosh, earthquakes aren't because tectonic plates um, have shifted underground as they have since the beginning of time but rather we've given full human rights to gay people. And oh my goodness, can we stop blaming gay people for everything that makes us sound like idiots? And I'm sorry to those of you who experience that pain. Um, and then in the midst of this pandemic where people are dying and people are sick and we're losing jobs and all the rest, this is God punishing us, right? And I've heard a thousand different things. This is God punishing us because we don't take care of our earth. This is God punishing us for capitalism, which I'm kind of like, hmm, possibly. This is God punishing us for whatever the case may be, right? This is God punishing us because we read it in Job. Well, here's the thing, and I love saying this. We think that the Bible is so important, so inspired by God. We take the Bible so seriously that we cannot always take it literally. This is one of those issues that we cannot always take Scripture literally. The truth of the matter is our Scripture is, is uh, written by people who are imagining and reimagining God throughout the ages. And for us to think of God as being vindictive or being angry or, or, or being upset or punishing us, instead we have to recognize that that actually comes from mythology, Near East mythology, actually. So what was going on during that time, 6,000 years ago or so? Well, 6,000 years ago or so, you had all these Near East gods who were angry, vindictive warrior gods. And so the people of Israel at the time were like, hmm, it's possible that maybe our God is like a warrior, vindictive God. Let's tell this story in that framework. Let's see, like I said, we take the Bible so seriously that we can't always take it literally. And we know, based on Jesus Christ, that our God is not an angry, vindictive, punishing God. And so, no, in the midst of this pandemic where we're sick and dying and afraid, God is not punishing us. But we say other things about it. So you say, well, this is, is it still part of God's will? Is this still part of God's plan, right? Is this God part of God's perfect plan? You know, we say everything happens for a reason. Is this happening for a reason? Is it part of God's plan? My friend lost his brother a long time ago, 20 plus years ago. And I remember saying to him, you know what, this is all part of God's plan. It's all part of God's will. God has a perfect plan around this. And I imagine that helped my friend for about 1.5 seconds. And then he was really angry. And then he was like, what are you talking about? This is not part of God's plan. And yet we still say that all the time. Well, this is, this is part of God's perfect plan. God has a perfect plan. God has a perfect plan. You know, there have been so many of you who have emailed us this week and you've all said this, the same thing. And and my heart breaks, like literally breaks for all of you, because you all say, like, I came to New York. I got a job. Uh, now I'm on furlough. I don't know if I'm going to have this job anymore. I don't know where I'm going to live. I'm scared to death. I have anxiety. What do I do? And I can't imagine me telling you, oh, don't worry. This is all part of God's perfect plan, <laughs> right? That's what it's a part of. No, that, that doesn't work either. In fact, the idea of perfection 
you know, perfection is actually not in our scriptures. Go ahead, look it up. God does not ever tell us things are going to be perfect. Go ahead and look that up too. God does not promise us that God will keep us out of chaos. That is not what God says. In fact, just like the angry, vindictive God was about Near East mythology, I would dare say the idea of perfection is about Greek mythology. Seriously, it's about Greek mythology. As we know, uh, Christianity happened right around the same time as Greek culture became really big and really popular. And so the Greeks, they have an idea of perfection, which raise your hand from far away if you've seen those beautiful, beautiful Greek statues um, of like these perfect bodies, right? Those are the Greek gods. That's why the, the Greeks are, are the ones that created the, the Olympics, right? This is, uh, um, this is perfection, perfect athletes. Um, perfection is something that the, the Greek culture gave to us, which we have then attributed to God, right? It's kind of an odd thing that we did that, but here we are. And so what we say is, well, this world is not perfect, but God is making it perfect, right? That's Greek. It's also why we have body issues, right? Because we're trying to attain perfection. So we spend $17.3 billion every year in elective surgery. We're trying to attain perfection. It's why we read books and spend billions of dollars on books with titles like how to influence people and make friends because we're trying to attain perfection. And the truth of the matter is the idea of perfection is as much of a mythology as the idea of an angry God. God is not here to bring perfection to us or for us. It's not part of God's perfect plan that this is happening in the same way that it is not a part of God's punishing, angry, vindictive, gambling problem demeanor to make this happen. But it still doesn't get us to a place where we're like, why is this happening? Is God even in this then? Or is God just standing back? When I, no, there's nothing I can do about this. Sorry. No, no, that's not true either. The beauty is that even though God doesn't promise us perfection, God does promise us life in pinfold. That's huge. Even though God does not promise perfection, God is promising us life in full. God isn't working for us to live perfectly. God is working for us to live fully. And we say all the time as a church, we say, hey, we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity. And that is the biggest thing that I want to tell people today. We're going to usher in these next 500 years of Christianity when we recognize that God's not angry. God's not upset. Okay, God's not punishing us. This pandemic where people are dying, you know, God doesn't need thousands of people to die and be sick in order to get across God's perfect plan. God does not promise perfection. But what God does promise us is that God is always at work living life, helping us bring life to the fullest, helping us bring flourishing in places that there is none. How do we know that? We know that by looking at the life of Jesus. In fact, we say all the time, uh, that if we want to get, uh, if we want to understand the heart of God, if we want to know the character of God, then what we need to do is we need to look at Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is going to show us the character of God. And we get this beautiful idea about what God is up to in times like these through a passage in John that I want to read for all of you today. This passage comes from John 9. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And this is what it says. It says, it says as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. I gotta love me, the disciples. They remind me of me, right? They're asking those questions. Why did God will this to happen? 
right? Did, uh, you know, did this man's parents like, you know, not want to outlaw abortion? Is that why this man is blind? And by the way, the, the, the punishment is not that this man is blind. Okay. That's not what it's about. It's about the context and culture of what it meant to be blind. This man was not a second-class citizen. He was like a fifth-class citizen. This man wasn't allowed into temples. This man was told that he was bad from birth. Like, that is the punishment they're talking about here. Being blind is not the punishment. I just wanted to say that real quick. And so the disciples, they're asking. They're asking, you know, why would God be so upset as to do this? And here's what Jesus says. And I love this because this is the linchpin. This is, this is the thing, right? This is the thing that shows me the way God is at work in the midst of this pandemic. So if you are going to listen to any part of this message, this is it right here. This is what Jesus says. Jesus Jesus says to the disciples, you ready? He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. That is really good. Almost, we're getting close, okay? Because when I read that, I'm like, so you're telling me you're telling me that this man was blind, had to go through all the pain that he had to go through so that G- that Jesus could show us a good work right now in this time and place. And once again, this is where um, this is where English fails us when we're talking about Bible translations. And this is one of those situations where we do want to go to a more Greek translation. So I'm going to thank Eugene Peterson for this translation. This is what this passage translates better into. Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause and effect here. Look instead for what God can do. You're asking the wrong question. There is no one to blame. Look instead for what God can do. And when I think about a loving, benevolent God, when I think about a God in the midst of this context, I think about a God who says, I love you so much. I love you so much that I'm going to give you free will. I'm going to allow you to live your life the way that that, that you see fit. In fact, I love you so much, I'm going to set you free. And when I set you free, I'm not going to set you free and offer perfection. When you're set free, things are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen in life. There is no way to get around it. And it's not because I'm angry and vindictive, and it's not because it's part of my perfect plan. It's just because this is the way we operate when we have free will. This is what happens in the midst of a fall. And so instead, what God is saying, don't ask the question, well, why did this Or Who did this? Or is this my will? Look and see the way that I am at work in this will. Look and see the way that I am at work in this pandemic. Look and see the way that I'm bringing life and bringing fullness in the midst of pain. I don't want this pain. But what I can do is I can work with you to bring fullness in the midst of it. So that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the fullness in the midst of pain. We're looking to see how God is at work. And so this story is amazing. God and Jesus ends up healing this blind man. And he heals the blind man. And the the religious leaders of the day, people like myself, by the way, they get upset. They're like, why did this man get healed? Like, I don't understand it. I, I mean, we thought we knew the, the character of God. We thought we knew the heart of God. And if we know the character and the heart of God, well, then we know that God is most likely punishing this man for being blind. And what Jesus says is this. He says, I came into the world to bring everything into the clear light of day, making all distinctions clear so that those who have never seen will see. And those who, who have made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. 
And I think those like myself who make a great pretense of seeing, of saying, well, of course it's God's will, or of course it's God's perfect plan, maybe we're the blind ones here. Maybe it's time for us to open our eyes to see God at work, not making perfection or bringing perfection, but bringing fullness. So last week, or so, so uh, not last week, not at all last week, about 20 years ago, <laughs> uh, I got caught in eastern Tennessee smoking a joint in a graveyard. Really interesting stuff, I know. And uh, I got caught by the police. And because it was east Tennessee, uh, they don't take too kindly to people doing that kind of thing in their small towns. And I got in a lot of trouble. Not only did I get in a lot of trouble, but I was going to a small Christian school, and the small Christian school said, hey, because you uh, got in trouble, we're going to have to expel you. And it was one of the low points in my life. And I didn't really know what was going to come next. I was out of state. I knew I was going to need a lawyer. I knew I had to move home. And so I, I, I you know, called a, a professor that I knew well, a professor that I trusted, and I just talked to him, and I said to him, hey, um, What's going to happen? You know, what, what should I expect? And, and he told me, and he told me some of the bad news that I expected. I was going to be kicked out of school. And then he said, hey, Jonathan, one day you're going to see joy in this. And I thought that was the dumbest thing that I've ever heard in my life. Like, one day you're going to see joy in this. And I was like, that's not true. Um, there's just so much going on that, that feels difficult and painful. And, and I didn't feel joy. I didn't feel joy the next day. I didn't feel joy when I got kicked out. I didn't feel joy when I had to move away. I didn't feel joy when, you know, it took me forever to get accepted into another school. I didn't feel joy then. And then a few years passed, and I looked back, and I saw the way that God was at work in my life. I saw the way that God brought maturity through that season, a little bit of discipline through that season. I saw how God connected me with good people who would make me better in that season. And I found a little bit of joy. found God at work. And you see, joy is not like, oh, I feel great and happy, and look, there's rainbows, and it's all really exciting. No, joy is like, it's, there's a reason the song goes, there may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy is what happens when we come through the pain, but when we have the eyes to see the fingertips or fingerprints of God at work. It's when we have our eyes opened up to see God working to bring flourishing in places where there wasn't flourishing before. And so in our church, what amazes me is that, yeah, this might not be God's will, but what you are doing is you are partnering with God to bring flourishing. Last week, somebody said, hey, I heard your church has a food pantry, and can you bring some food over to me? I'm immunocompromised. And we were like, oh my gosh, should we tell them that we don't have a food pantry? And we didn't. And instead, People in our community went out, bought groceries, and brought those groceries to this person. We never did say we didn't have a food, a food pantry. That's the way that you are bringing flourishing in the midst of pain. That's a little bit of joy. Those are the fingerprints of God. That's fullness. That's what that is. How are we opening our eyes to that? A pastor friend of mine, he said, you know what? I've had to change my perspective about the way uh, I think about this quarantine. He's like, I'm not stuck at home. I am safe at home. And yeah, that's not true for everybody. But there's a little bit of joy in that message, a little bit of joy that says, hey, we're not stuck at home. We're safe at home. How is God working to bring flourishing? How is God opening up God's eyes to, how is God opening up our eyes to this? There is someone who is grieving and they're grieving deeply. 
And we connected them with another person who was grieving deeply. Because at the end of the day, there's tons of grief in this. And there's tons of pain. There's tons of depression. But in connecting to people who are grieving deeply, we as a church, believe it or not, are actually bringing a little bit of joy. And what I'm saying is not to discount pain. I'm not trying to discount it. And I'm not trying to tell us that we should gloss over the way we're feeling. No, it is important that we feel some of the trauma that we're feeling. It's important that we feel some of the pain that we're feeling. It's important that we're feeling some of the anger that we're feeling. But what I'm saying is this, we can open our eyes to the fact that God does not want this pain for us. God doesn't want perfection either. God wants fullness. And so as we go through the rest of this week, how are we seeing lives made full? How is your life being made full? What are the little fingerprints of God that you're getting to see in the midst of this crisis? Let's stop following mythology and stop following the angry, vindictive warrior God with a gambling problem. And let's stop following the Greek perfection God uh, who, who never who says we're never good enough. And instead, let's follow a God that says, hey, stop, you are asking the wrong question. There is no cause and effect here. Instead, look at the way that I'm bringing fullness. Church, we can do that. We can partner with God to bring fullness and flourishing in this time. And if you want to know where God is, God is in all of us right now, partnering with us to bring that fullness to each and every one of us in the midst of what feels like absolute chaos. And in a time that we are desperately searching for good news, I can tell you that that is, in fact, good news. So breathe deep, live fully, open your eyes, and let's work together to be the fingerprints of God, bringing bringing about God's ever-redeeming plan, not to live like perfectly, but to live life fully. Amen? Let's pray, everybody. God, um, I don't like this. We don't like this. God, there's a lot of pain and a lot of grief. And God, there are a lot of people who are hurting. And God, in the midst of this pain, we pray desperately and we pray fervently fervently that joy would come in the morning. But God, give us the eyes to see the way that your flourishing is happening right now. Give us the hands and feet to be a part of the flourishing that is happening right now. Give us the perspective to see the flourishing that is happening right now in the midst of this pain. And God, when we don't, we are thankful for your grace that comes and lifts us up regardless. God, thank you. You are not evil and mean. And thank you that you don't uh, ask us to attain perfection. Thank you that you give us Jesus to show us that we are good and that we are your children and that we are a part of your ever-redeeming story. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.